Aloha mai kako, aloha, welcome to Mana Bombs Podcast, powered by Pumahina Designs with me, Kanoi Lani David. Ami kulani Jeremiah Wang, aloha kako. Aloha, today's daily Mana Bombs is sometimes deciding who you are is deciding who you'll never be again. Our focus is learning from our mistakes and growing from them. The way we want to engage is what are some things you did which were huge mistakes or regrets in your life that you deeply learned from? And advocate and help others. And it takes me back to my teenage years. I just turned 16. There was a party that everybody was going to in Haula. I asked my mama if I could go. And the answer was no. And I said, okay. And she went to work in Waikiki. Well, 16, thinking she's old enough to make these decisions. I recognized that my mama wasn't coming home by 12. So if I went to the party and got home before she got home, ah, she'd never know. Things happened that night. And as a result, um, I was a, that was the biggest traumatic experience I ever had in my life at that point, which was, I I was a victim of sexual assault. To say that out loud right now at 46, easy, but ask me back then at 16, after it happened, sitting there in this realization, because number one, I was a virgin at 16. Well, when I went to this party, Da, 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 da. everything happened I didn't have a ride home my, the friend that I went with got busted from her mom so no ride no place to stay and even though I had family right up the road I chose not to go over there and ask for a ride home an older person at the at the party offered to take me home when his car came back it didn't come back till the next day early in the morning things happened anyway as a, as a person who had to experience sexual assault at such a young age, my whole perception of life as a 16-year-old changed that day. It took me five years. The first was denial and suppression, like mean suppression. When I got home that day, second trauma from the same thing. As a result of not going home, you know, she was scolding me. I was given an ultimatum and all kinds of stuff happened the very next morning. And I knew then. Oh my gosh, Kulani, had you just not gone to the party, none of this would have happened. Had you listened to your mother, none of this would have happened. What do I do now? I never told anybody about that whole, that whole situation until I was, I was about 20. And the fact that I could talk about it, I had suppressed it so bad, I, I thought I was dreaming about it. But when I could recognize certain motions, certain things would trigger me, you know, when I'm trying to be intimate with a, a, a new partner. Just a certain move would trigger me and I would start fighting. I knew that I needed to talk to somebody about it. I was able to come to terms with all the things after conversations with a couple of friends, really good friends, but a lot of reflection inward, realizing that it was no longer my fault. It was never my fault to begin with. That shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have done what he did. When I look at it now at 46, but in the beginning, I had to learn how not to be the victim of shit. So I think, so the, the growing part is now, but the learning part was it took me five years to, to talk about it, to recognize it, to realize that that I couldn't be a victim any longer of circumstance. And the only person who could pull me out of that is myself. The learning part came when I had a niece who was faced with the same kind of situation where she was almost assaulted. She came crying. I talked to her about my own experience 
which shocked her. She was like, you, Auntie, what? I never thought you'd be in that situation. So you would say that your mistake was going out and not listening to your mother in this situation versus because what happened to you is not your fault, nor did you ask for it to happen. So the yeah. only mistake that you did was just not listen. Yeah. Correct. Or right? maybe not listen, not, you know, not go to the family or not find a way home that night on my own. I'm just trying to get to the, um, right, the focus of it, right? Learning from our mistakes, because it's yeah. not your mistake that you got assaulted. It is your yeah. mistake for not listening yeah. to your parents, right? Yeah. Be a good one for if there's younger people here listening, listen to your parents. There's reasons for that, you know, because we don't know what can happen outside of this. And I'm not trying to uh, dismiss the sexual assault because that's a whole nother thing that we can definitely dive into. But being yeah. that our focus is just trying to learn from our mistake, you know, how do we grow from them? For me, it's like mine is not telling my daughter how she came to be. That's my fault. It's not my fault that I was put in a position that something happened to me. It's my fault for not sharing that. And I regret that. And so the only thing that I was able to do and change was be able to talk to my, the rest of the daughters more openly of some of the choices that I've made and learned from. And so that they don't fall into the same mistakes based off of something I myself did. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah. So I guess the not listening part would have been the what I did. But I think the sexual assault piece is where I advocated for conversations or communication with your parents. And if it's not your parents, it's somebody who's an adult or a mentor that's closer to you that you can talk to about whatever it is. You know, find somebody who you're comfortable enough with to spill your guts. At 21, I didn't have that yet. But I became that for somebody else. And it's a result of me not listening, right? So I learned that I ain't going to not listen to my parents anymore because they probably know a little bit more than me. Now that I realize they've been on the earth longer than me, as a result of that, I became an advocate for communication, about making sure that you have that with somebody. Do you find yourself communicating more now, even when it's not traumatic? Because of that situation, possibly? Absolutely. Like everything now. I'm an open book now. You can ask me and I'll tell you. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, oh well. But I I just, I don't have time for dishonesty. I'd rather not, I'd rather not be dishonest or not share. You ask me and I'll say. I feel like that one is for me too, because I can sit here and, and agree in that sense of I suppressed, you suppressed it for five years. I suppressed it for 20 years, thinking it was protecting my children more than not even protecting myself. I thought I was protecting my children. Uh, I I had to learn the hard way that it was. So in that, I feel more comfortable communicating now because I recognize the non-communication didn't work. (laughs) So I can see how that was one of the the lessons learned for yourself. Yeah, now we can communicate a little bit more. And if we're hurting or something has happened to us to communicate, absolutely like communication is key nowadays with everyone anyone you come in contact with even my daughter and i uh we weren't as pv as we are we weren't as connected as we are today you know a lot has changed because my husband was always around and he was able to be that for her but now i realize i need to be that for her too with my grandchildren with uh, my in-laws with my friends family like our ripple effect sometimes even the family moves out along those ripples but you still have communication still got to talk to them if i come to you with an open mind and an open heart just trying to express whatever needs to be said however you take it is up to you for me communication is key 
And I'm an open book because of that. That whole trauma led me to be this school anywhere where I just, you know, I don't like, I don't like the lying part. Yeah. And it's sad that it took something as traumatic as that. But then, you know, even, and it, again, it's just not to dismiss like the tragedy of that moment, the scarring of that moment, or even the consequences that you had to face for yourself for that choice that you made to leave. Like, one, you got to deal with what happened to you and possibly even the guilt of regret, right? So you're dealing with internal and external and then forced upon you. But then the interesting part is that you were able to find solace in your, almost like, almost in your pain. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it seems that like you took the pain and the trauma and you built upon it to become a better person. And then even advocate now comfortably by sharing. I will say as a person that held that in for 20 years, uh, that's not easy. That's not an easy task because uh, you have to have a lot of strength. You have to have a lot of support. Or if you didn't have support, you have to have the support within yourself to be able to feel comfortable to share. In my case, I think I, I learned to slowly find the strength in communication, especially to my loved ones and the ones who are very, very close to my people, discerning what is protecting and what is necessary. So yeah, yeah that's really awesome that you're able to, to do that. It, it wasn't an easy journey but, but at all because I had graduated the year after and, you know, college, you're going to college, you're going to clubs, you're going, you know, you're meeting dudes, like, ooh, football player. Okay. You know, just trying to move forward. But honestly, I, growing up in high school, I had a lot of friends, but I didn't have a, a nucleus of friends. I had maybe one who I talked to a lot, but never like a super, super crew of five that, you know, the five is alive or whatever. And they hang out together. I never had that college I had lots of friends again and never really had that super crew the way that I found myself and had enough strength to move forward to even tell my mother do you remember that day that this happened you guys did it I look in spiritually and I don't know if this is gonna make sense to anybody but I have to look inward like totally like I broke myself down to figure out what was it that made you choose to go why did you want to do those things why did you say yes? You know, who, did, you know, and I, I had the conversation with myself. I didn't have anybody to have it with, except God, maybe, and the universe. I searched and tried to understand why. And then when I realized at the end of that search that, you know what, Kulani, it had to happen. It was written in your plan. What you going to do about it? What the hell are you going to do about it, Kulani? And at that point, it was like, well, first I got to recognize, right? Now I'm telling myself after to breaking myself down. Trying to just get to the root of the bullshit because I don't want to be in this place anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore because this feels like shit. Then I realized I had to tell I had to tell somebody. And I think that's why I'm super passionate about advocating for this stuff. Because I had to tell somebody. And I wish I realized that I had to tell somebody the day after. Because I don't think I would have been super tra uh, traumatized as I am. And even like, I'm surprised I'm freaking crying about it now. But it's just recognizing potency of it all. When I told myself, okay, you got to tell somebody who's the person, the most important person in your world that you're going to tell. Of course, the first two people I thought was I got to tell my parents because they love me enough for me, regardless of all the bullshit that I put them through. That's your parents. But I knew I couldn't tell my father because 
my father as uh, happy and joyful and, and all of that good stuff that he is, my dad would have killed the person. And I couldn't tell my dad. So I told my mom. And funny enough, she had an idea. She couldn't put a finger on it. So when I confirmed it, she cried with me. And I cried. But when I cried, I let it all go. Because somebody knew that I wasn't lying. I wasn't holding something that wasn't, you know, the truth back from anybody. And I could actually say something about it. So then I felt normal again. But what is normal, right? But I felt normal again, where I could be me because I was a social butterfly from the get. But at 16, uh, kind of reverted back in. But at this time, 2021, talking to my mom, realizing that, nope, nobody can take this from you, Pulan. You are who you are because of what you do, you've done. Yes, that happened, but it ain't going to fucking break you. So that's that was definitely the learning experience for me. Totally had to do it by myself. So if I could be that for anybody, if I could be the support system, if I can be the wall that you want to throw stuff at, if I can be the person that that you just need to just let go of whatever it is and super non-judgmental. I'm going to stand there and sit there and just listen. I'll be that for you. And I think that's why when you say that I'm such a really good support system, I believe that for that very reason. I believe that. I want to be that for people. If you need me to be that, I can be that 100%. Yeah, that's beautiful to come out of that in that way and what would you tell somebody? Because I didn't have, I had parents that were not present. I had a father who was, oh, I felt like he was confused in his 30s and 40s. So he, he was no help. He was trying to find himself. He felt, you know, he became super Christian, wanted to become a priest and forced me when I was pregnant, forced me to um, uh, go to confession as if it was my fault forced me to take classes to be in communion and he was a he was a heavy catholic uh mind you i didn't grow up in the church but he found his way i think i told the priest when i was forced into confession but i didn't tell my father because of the person he was he already felt that i was the devil was um taking over me already not realizing the situation i was put in i didn't have a real present mother she was also super into herself her too, trying to figure herself out and could have, she never had grounding. I had my grandparents, but at this point I was much older. So, you know, my grandparents also never really supported me emotionally. So I never felt like I could talk to them about anything, albeit I could be in the hospital in the ER, probably wouldn't even tell them. Actually, I didn't tell them when I was in the ER because it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. That's how when it came to emotional stress and emotional connection with my, my, my family, I honestly don't have. So being able to talk to them would have been hard. So what would you advise to anybody who may have gone through this, whether they're young or they're older, maybe the younger ones, because a lot of this happens. I mean, it happens at any age, any age, but usually your first encounter sometimes happens when you're much younger and you're much more vulnerable. I've had friends who've had this and their parents completely denied what they were going through. And it sometimes it was in the house with their mother's family member or partner. When the child tells the mother or the father or whomever, they deny it. I chose to hold mine in. Some talk to parents who or family members that will not support them the way your mother supported you. What would you tell somebody? Who would you tell them to talk to if it ever comes to that point? That's a good question. 
I would hope, and I know we're not about hoping, we're more about believing. I would like to believe that there is somebody for everybody out there that would be able to just provide the space of support. But a lot of times you're right, there isn't. In the family nucleus, in the extended family, so maybe you have to reach out elsewhere. Some people might find um, solace, not solace, but might find someone who can support them, you know, in their church. Or if you have a best friend, sometimes your best friend's parent. I know that my daughter talked to her best friend's mom when she found out she was pregnant. So I, and I was thankful for that best friend's mom because she, my daughter was debating, um, she was de- debating an abortion because she was so afraid to tell us because I was the, the dictatorial parent. But her best friend's mom was like, I don't think your parents are that mean, Trisha. I'm sure they would love you regardless of you being pregnant right now. You're already pregnant. I hugged that best friend's mom and I told her, thank you for saying that, for seeing me in that way. You know, so sometimes your best friend's parents reach out. I'm right here. Kulans dot manabam. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think part of it is, yeah, not giving up on yourself. Yeah. Uh, somebody will be there. And if you don't have anybody, one, never feel guilty for what happened to you. It doesn't matter. Something was taken from you without your permission, period and bottom line. So if you have nobody to talk to, like I didn't, uh, my problem was I suppressed. I did find comfort in creation. And what I mean by that is when times got rough, I wanted to learn something new. Or I revived an old practice that I knew from a childhood. I weave feathers, seed lays, uh, la'au. Mi'ihao shell earrings. Mi'ihao, yeah. I revived all of that because that was the only thing that I knew I could talk to and would never judge me. And that was the way I was able to process. So not all of us have that opportunity. And sometimes too, right? You have those folks out there Ladies and men do it where they play the victim to seek attention. And I'm, I'm saying this in a sense, very sensitively, because there are people who, who will play the victim of I got raped by this person or I got sexually assaulted by this person when it didn't happen. But, but it was a way to make themselves a victim and make this person be put into bad light. That's not good either, because I always say the crying wolf thing one day you're going to cry wolf and nobody's going to want to listen. So, I mean, there's so many aspects to this. And the ones who, who play that role stops us from who've gone through things, from saying anything, because we don't want to be a victim. We Nobody wants to relive it a hundred times. And ain't nobody trying to push that person down because it actually we know that putting that person down is not our goal. Our goal is to raise us up. And that's the difference in that intention. And so, yeah, I love that advocacy of being able to communicate in the daily as a practice uh, with each other and then finding ways to communicate, maybe not verbally, but maybe communicating with yourself through your passions, through the things that you love creating so that it can uh, it can go somewhere. So I, I, I don't projects. know. Yeah. Passion projects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, this is a great one. And for anybody listening out there, this could be a sensitive subject. 
uh, we'll definitely write it in our post. You know, we always kind of have a disclaimer in there uh, because yeah. we know that this can trigger a lot of things. And if these come up for you, you may want to continue processing if you, if you have the strength and the ability, because sometimes we just need to talk about it. Uh, if it's too sensitive right now, you're not ready for that process yet. Uh, you may want to find other outlets, uh, look towards growing, elevating, learning, and building yourself to build your strength to be able to thoroughly go through that process because you relive it. Yeah. Live it. Unfortunately, the past puts you back into that present, but you got to be ready for it. If you're ready to let it go, you might have to walk that walk in uncomfortableness, but sometimes it's good. And if it's not that time for you, there's other things too. Like we have, um, we have online therapy um, yeah. that you can go to. There's uh, groups that you could talk in. Uh, you could even see your local, you know, your medical doctor and, you know, be referred or even go see a therapist. Behavioral health, I advocate for that. Plenty. Yeah. Talk to your friends and those who, who you know you can trust and feel secure with. Mahalo. And last resort. And you can, I know I'm all like, okay, throw all that kulas Come at me, come at me. She has it. She's a really good support and can help you and help walk you through it. Again, we are not therapists. We are not here to tell you what is right and what is wrong. I think we're giving you different perspectives of our walks of life. Hope that our experiences uh, help you so that you don't go through the same bullshit we went through. Thank you. Yeah. So if we can shorten that chaos in your life so you can have a better life quicker and a more fun and fulfilled, happy, peaceful life quicker, that's all we want for you. Uh, yes, thank you. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we we old we them old people. We've been done. We them old girl. Yeah. We the old lady. Yeah. Thank you again for sharing uh, your story. And, yeah, it was really great. Catch us on um, our Mana Minutes, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 12 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time on Instagram Live at Pomahina Designs and Mana Bombs LLC. And we will see you there. So signing off from the islands of Molokai, it's me, Kanoi Lani Davis. Reminding you too. From Oahu, that May 1st is May Day in Hawaii. So make a lay, wear a lay, give a lay, kako. Over here on Oahu, it's your girl, Kulan, Jeremiah. Ahui ho. Aloha. Mahalo nui, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And listen to what happens next. Mm-hmm.